What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Rona Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. Thank you so much for making this your first podcast for NBA coverage. It's been a while since we've recorded, but a lot has gone down around the NBA. We're going to get through all of it. We're also going to be doing a fun tier list of what we think are the some of the best trades that have gone down of all time. But before we get into that, just want to remind everybody, if you are on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, make sure you leave a comment, let us know what you think. If you are on Spotify Rapper Podcast, leave that five-star review. You do that, we'll keep on producing that content. Chris, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. I'm back in the cold. I'm back up in Boston after being in Georgia for a little bit. Uh, just beautiful driving through the snow. I've been really looking forward to it more so. Even more looking forward to talking to you after Ananobi and the Knicks. Like, why are we talking about anything else? I know that you just want to be talking about the Knicks. I'm, I'm, I see the smile on your face. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm repping. I got to rep the brand. I think the, the whole time we've been doing this podcast, I think the the Knicks are now the third seed. This is the, probably the highest either of our teams have been since uh, since we've been doing this podcast. So, uh, that's uh... Um, The Bulls were the one seed for, like, uh, two months. I'll, I'll I'll remember that. Okay, fair fair enough. Okay, I'll give things. you that. But at this moment, the the Knicks the Knicks are thriving. But <laughs> well, let's just before we get into them, let's just go around the NBA. A lot has happened since we last recorded. We saw Joel Embiid drop seventy. Also had eighteen rebounds, five assists, twenty four forty one for the field. Only only made one three pointer on that run, and then Luca went and outdid him just a few days later, seventy three points. 25 or 33 in the field, eight three-pointers made. Just an absolutely insane performance. We taught, we saw 62-point games from Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns that weren't good enough for wins, which just seems insane. We saw Adrian Griffin get fired. Clearly, he lost a dressing room. And just want to say, sometimes I get things right. Sometimes on this podcast, we, we turn out to be correct. It was a weird one. Doc has been hired. Where do, where do we go with that? The Knicks have won eight straight games. They just destroyed a back-to-back without Randall, without OG. Yeah, it was against the Jazz and the Hornets, but who cares? They're the third seed, and the Bucks, we are coming for you. Clippers have stayed hot. They blew out the Celtics in a really impressive performance. We had another classic, the double OT, LeBron and Steph. It just never gets old. we got to enjoy these moments while we can. The Miami Heat made a trade. They... I've added Terry Rozier, but they have lost seven straight games. And I also want to say that load management, that question has, uh, has come up again of late uh, with a few uh, things that have gone over the last few days, and we'll definitely get to that. But have any of those points, or anywhere you want to hop in first? I mean, we call this Coast to Coast for a reason. It's such a whirlwind of like everything that's going on, and we definitely got to talk Doc. We got to talk Heat. We got to talk Knicks. And you just mentioned the OT thriller between Curry and LeBron. And I want to go macro a little bit. Let's talk about them real quick. Looking at 15-day trends across the league, right now the Warriors are in the midst of a 5-10 and 10 streak. Lakers are 7-8, and eight, but somehow Lakers are getting the most negative press out of anybody, and I guess we've just accepted the Warriors are depressing. Um, but right now, let's stick with the Warriors for a quick second. They have the worst defensive rating by any team in the stretch. Give me 124.9 points per possession. And this is a stretch where teams are giving up 70 points, 60 points, 70 points. I, I don't know. Maybe this is like the post like Christmas break. No one wants to play defense. But some of these performances have just been insane. Like half of Luca's layups just felt like open layups. Like no one, no one is at the rim. But I mean, hey, that's that's the NBA in January for you. 
Now we look at the Warriors. Four of the ten, they're four games out of the ten seed. They are two games behind the Rockets, and the Rockets are still as hungry as ever. They don't have a Siakam to look for in the market. Don't know who they could possibly look after, and it just feels like they're not going anywhere. Then we look over pretty close by. Lakers are seven eight, last fifteen. LeBron's frustrated. Wood is tweeting. Ham is telling everyone to man up. He's still got his hands in his pockets. Like I. I can't go a single day on Twitter without seeing a video of him with his hands in his pockets. And it's, it's become this amazing, like subculture of Twitter of like, that's just one of my favorite memes now to see, but man, that the leadership there is just, it's gone. And when the trade market with that, does DeJounte Murray trade actually move the needle? We'll talk about that in a bit, who, who's actually still on the market. Um, but I bring up these two teams because their Lakers are not quite yet on the outside as the, the Warriors are. But there are two teams with two players that are still at the very top of their game. I mean, LeBron is going to be 40, and he's still going to be dropping 30 points on people's heads. And they're entering an era where they pretty much run out of time. Where do we go with the Warriors and Lakers, man? It, it's, it, this is such a weird period for two teams that don't have a lot of options left. The market doesn't look great. And I guess I'll just pose it like this. Like, who are you buying will actually be competitive in the playoffs the warriors or lakers or neither that's also an option i mean I, i'm really tempted to say neither I, I just say that i didn't think the lakers were savable last year either and they managed to make some smart yeah. moves to get the job done so i guess i i'd have to say i have a little bit more faith in them but like watching the last like obviously that the Warriors game was an unbelievable game to watch. Like LeBron just in the zone, Steph the same, just going toe to toe, just trying to get the best out of each other. And then you go and watch them against the Rockets and the Hawks, and they're just pathetic. They never really look like winning at all. And and it's just it's sad to to see them out on the floor like that. So I don't really think I could like really go and say, yeah, for sure, that they're gonna make the difference either way. Like I I'm leaning towards saying neither, to be totally honest with you. But at the same time, Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. If the young guys can start to contribute more, Wiggins can get back on track, Kaminga can continue this hot run of form that he's on, that changes the the trajectory for the Warriors. Having Green back is that, that playmaking piece. But I still think they both need to make moves at the deadline if they're really going to change things. So Warriors, they won't have Siakam. Who fixes it? Bridges? Murray? Do they go all in on Lowry? I don't know if they have enough to get Lowry. Bojan, Capella, Claxton, those are some like maybe more realistic names. Has anyone like been like, okay, that that is something they because they they need defense. They need someone to actually play basketball on like Andrew Wiggins, which that is that is the biggest piece of it. And everyone's talking about like how bad he's played. And like to to really make it make sense in my head, I've I've had to remember the fact that. Well, the Warriors do not win their last championship without Andrew Wiggins, just straight up. Mm-hmm. Like that, that may be an obvious thing, but Andrew Wiggins was like the galvanizing X factor behind, you know, he was the second player behind Curry. And they don't have that. And I, I don't, I think Siakam was really the only other guy who does that. Bridges doesn't seem like he's on quite that level. I mean, maybe Murray is, but he doesn't really fit that. It, it seems like there's nothing there. Whereas the Lakers, I feel like they, I'm curious. Maybe DeJounte Murray does move the needle. Maybe that is a more steady um, force on offense for Dilo and defensively. Like, they can really rally around that. Whereas the Warriors, the Warriors have always been this very unique 
uh, machine. Like you, you have you have that super rare like car that you don't have parts for anywhere, and if it breaks down, it's like wh where are you gonna find a replacement part? Like you can't really replace the warrior system that they've built unless you just go full in on all right, Steph, we're gonna get you a big man, run thirty freaking rolls a game. But comparing the two, I feel like I gotta go with Lakers because I, I can't see any names that could really fix what the Warriors are missing, which is honestly just themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's fair. I think, unfortunately for them, they're on the wrong side of the dynasty years. And unfortunately, it's not really something you, you can recreate. It's something like the, the way it is. They've had unbelievable, unbelievable success. So much more success than so many players have had in this league. And unfortunately, it just has to play out how it's going to play out. They just have to keep on going with it. you you got to milk it for all that it's worth, all that they can get out of these guys for the next few years. I think that's the most likely outcome for this for this Warriors team. They just got to milk it for all it's worth. And then in a maybe three, four years time, when, when there's no more step, then you then you look at, at, at changing things because they're, they're, it's not really possible to be too smart here. You think, ah, oh, they can they can turn Dream on and Clay. They're not at the same level as, as they were. They could trade them into something. It, it's not going to work. I, I don't think there's anything to really to really push the needle back for the Warriors. That 2022 title was their last hurrah. And I think there's nothing that's going to, that's going to really change things for them. Now they're going to be a playing team, probably a best for the, for the remaining years. Yeah. That, that right now that's a reality. And you know, who knows if they had made moves. Um, I mean, they, they have really not bridged the dynasty and the future like they planned they would. Um, but hey, I mean, what we're if they are able to get off of Wiggins and they're able to like clear space, maybe this is something where they they end up being a player in free agency if they can get off of some salary. But um, hey, maybe LeBron James just goes and signs with uh, the Warriors. That would be fun. Yeah. But staying negative, uh, should we hop to the East? Because you mentioned the Heat, so they are on a seven game losing streak. Individual defense looks bad. Um, Fun fact, nobody on this team except for Bam Adebayo is in the top 100 in defensive win shares, and Bam is 22nd. And per usual, he looks tired. <laughs> like, halfway through the season, he hits the wall, and it's happening again. And they just look disinterested defensively. Um, Rosier still is, you know, let's give him more than 10 games before people panic about him not being good. Like, he just got there. Apparently, he hasn't even done, like, a full team practice with him yet. So just give him a second, please. Um, but in this stretch, the 15-game stretch, their offense has been held under 100 three times while everyone else is scoring a million points. And Terry doesn't look like he wants to play defense yet. I mean, he's been in Charlotte for a minute. It's going to take him some time to find it, but who knows if he still plays. Defense, who knows? I don't know. But here's my question. Do they still need to make a move for the deadline? And if they don't, do you feel like their roster construction as it stands, not having enough bigs behind Bam, maybe not having enough perimeter defense that doesn't give up as much offense like they have in Hay Haysmith, Hayward, Haysmith, Neesmith, Highsmith, hey, Highsmith, isn't it? Highsmith. There, there's, yeah. there's a lot of variations of five different <laughs> players right there. They, they have all offense or all defense, it seems, in some of their wings. Do they have enough? right now to still be a contender no but they do because they're the heat 
The answer is no, but I said that last year too, and they went to the NBA Finals. So I I just can't I can't say no. Like watching them, they look they don't look great at all. They like again, it always feels like this happens in the regular season. It feels like Bam is there for all the games. Jimmy misses extended time. Hero misses extended time, and it kind of all just comes down on Bam, and then he and he starts to look tired. And then the other guys are, are struggling to get back to form. Like Jimmy's not really playing at the level that we expect from Jimmy Butler yet because he's been in and out with injuries and stuff like that. And Hero's been a, a, of a similar sort of ilk. So looking at them and watching the games and seeing the record, you're like, no, I think this is them falling off. But I thought that last year too. And Eric Spolster is just such an intelligent coach that he knows how to get the most out of these guys. He knows how to beat other teams. It's not how... He makes his team win. He knows how to beat other teams. That's where Spolscher just really flourishes. Yeah, it, it's so it, it's funny because for like every single other team, the conversation would be you need to develop a pattern of, of success and then carry that forward into the playoffs. Like you can't like when we were talking about the Nets when they had the big three, like you can't just suck and then expect to all of a sudden figure it out in the playoffs. But somehow that's the heat. And it, it's it is ironic too that we talk on and on and on about heat culture, but seemingly part of heat culture is not caring about winning games through the middle of the season, which, I mean, if you ask any of the players, all the players are like, we're mad. We want to win games. But then on the floor, like it looks like there's not that same intensely that same passion that's there. And they haven't been like an elite, elite statistically defensive team until it really matters. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad I had to ask you that question because you've asked me this question like three times already and I'm like, yes, they'll be fine. Yes, they'll be fine. But it's it's getting to a point. I mean, it's that seven-game losing streak and we'll we'll see how it, it ends up. One tiny little nuanced part of it that I'm going to pay attention to is how do the rotations work with Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Terry Rozier if Terry still doesn't play defense? Because I imagine Terry is like scary Terry, Celtics, where he is a menace on the perimeter, he's really getting around screens, really closing out, and he's very, very, very disciplined uh, defender on the perimeter. If that's not him, if he's not a guy that's creating turnovers, he's not a guy that's getting up in people's chest, like, how is that going to work with those three on the perimeter? And they're going to need to figure out how to stagger them, for sure. Um, you would say that the Heat is probably the best team to get that, but I admit yes. it's still there. Absolutely. That that's exactly my thought process. Where I'm not going to worry about it right now. It's too early. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Luca. He dropped his 70, uh, 70 plus Three. point game, seventy three point game. Um, he's averaging forty one in this fifteen game stretch. You would think they're just blowing teams out and they're just like on a big win stretch. No, they're just a game over five hundred. They lost three games straight against Lakers, Phoenix, and Boston. And in this stretch, they're giving up 121.3 points per 100. That's tied with the Blazers near the bottom of the league. And we've always talked about, you know, wanting to see defense out of the Mavs and seeing some of the personnel changes they've had this season. Maybe they got enough. But it seems like they don't. Are you buying or are you selling this notion that, you know, they still don't have the defense to be true contenders? I'm probably buying a couple of shares, but not fully because they have been really injured. Like, he, like, have we seen Luca, Kyrie, Lively, Williams? Have they played like five, six, seven games in a row together? I, I genuinely don't think that they have. I feel like the injuries have been a big issue for them. Not to say if they were healthy, they'd definitely be a lot better. But we've seen them be like, what well, they were like six, seven games above uh, above five hundred at one point this season. They they've 
been able to go on runs. They've got the offense. They've got a few good role players. They've got a few like, kind of random guys that are, are delivering in a big way for them. But I don't know that Grant Williams has had the impact that they necessarily wanted. And it definitely does still feel like they need to get another piece. As much as Lively is definitely a future piece for them, I think they need to find a legit 3 and D wing. Like, more, maybe... We don't is Grant Williams that maybe another another version of Grant Williams maybe a better defensive version of Grant Williams a better three point shooting version of Grant Williams if there was any way in the world they could maybe find a way to get get a Cam Johnson or a Mikael Bridges I think that'd be a, a move for them I don't see how the hell they could do it but that's the kind of guy that I'm thinking they need to really kind of turn the needle for them. Yeah, I, I really just can't, like, on a, on a super side note, I just can't imagine that the Nets aren't sellers of the deadline because, like, their players solve the equation for so many contenders, and, they, and the Nets are not going to contend this year. Like, it's just not. And um, it seems like the the vibe is that the Nets are not really – I mean, Mikhail is not the guy. He's a guy. And he – I mean, on any contending team, second, third best player, like, your championship odds are so much higher. But – their names just keep coming up and up and you'd have to imagine the price keeps going up. And in a year this year where like, it's really the championship odds, like you don't really know who's going to win it. Um, Nuggets for sure. Celtics. Yeah. But like everyone has an argument for it. It, it seems like the year that the Nets would sell one of those two. Um, staying in the West. Did, we, did you mention the Clippers? Cause they, did mention the Clippers. they still look good in the last 15 games. Man, their trio is going crazy. Kawhi Leonard averaging 23. Paul George averaging 23. Harden averaging 16. Harden's averaging 10 assists per game. And Leonard, 50, 40, 90. And Paul George all of a sudden knows how to shoot again, over 40% from three. And they look like they've created a balance between the three of them. They're not all dropping crazy scores every single game, but the way that they've oscillated between those three options, the way that they've created advantages together, they look pretty, pretty good. They have the best offense in the league in these 15 games. They beat Phoenix twice, beat OKC, they ended Boston their second loss. Buy or sell it, this is the best trio in the league right now and moving forward. I mean, you, yeah, you have to buy in terms of in terms of a trio. I think you, you got to buy because... The main thing is it's Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is back looking like Kawhi Leonard, and when Kawhi Leonard looks like Kawhi Leonard, that makes the Clippers title contenders. Simple as that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's that that's such a simple thing, but like the way he's confidently getting in the paint now too, and he's not settling for jumpers, and he looks even more confident in the post, and his stroke is like really look like he's shooting forty four point eight percent from three right now on four and a half attempts like he he could be i mean Jokic is the best player in the west Jokic is the best player in the west but like when you remember like guys you hand the ball to at the end of the game and you want to win in the playoffs like Kawhi is that guy mm-hmm. and there, there's I'd, I'd i'd take him over steph in the clutch i'd take him over lebron in the clutch i'd Rob, I'd really question if I'm taking him or Durant in the clutch. I'm still taking Jokic in the clutch, but like when it comes down to like your game sevens, those tight games and playoffs like that, 
if he's there and he's at this level, we've forgotten about it because we haven't seen him in a minute. But it's going to show up, and I, I think that we did not talk enough about the I, – I mean, I thought I did, but I don't think we talked enough about the Clippers if they put it together. But it's happening. Yeah, I will just say, if you're going to take Kawhi over LeBron, I think you can take Kawhi over Kevin Durant as well. In the clutch. In the clutch, yeah, yeah you can. Yeah, you can. In the clutch. In the clutch. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll fact check that later. We'll yeah. fact check that later. <laughs> Um, your favorite topic du jour, the New York Knicks. You said it. Twelve and two with Ananobi. They're fourth in net rating since time. Defensive rating has improved from nearly one seventeen to a hundred eleven point nine. That puts them, I believe, fourth, third, top five. And Tom Thibodeau is smiling. The Knicks yeah, are happy. Weird, huh? <laughs> Spacing looks great. Um, Randall obviously hurt right now. Um. But I, I think they'll they'll do okay. They have enough depth, I believe, there. Now you're obviously gonna buy this, so I don't even know what I'll ask. But Mitchell Robinson comes back healthy, he has and he's able to provide the defense he did earlier on. Randall recovers okay. Um now the C word is like a lofty word to use for any team. But do we start to use it with the Knicks? Are they a outside contender? Are they a dark horse contender as currently constructed now with Ananobi? Okay. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I mean, I I I want to be so hesitant. I want to be like, oh, I have to wait until I see the playoffs. But they're just they're playing unbelievable basketball. They're looking like these hard nosed guys, and no one wants to face behind our superstar in in Jalen Brunson, who I hoping is the the snow before All Star starter is going to spur him on to to do even better things to, for the remainder of the season, and it just fits. The flow is great now, and. You watch games, I'm seeing like Deuce, Deuce McBride, and we're seeing Grimes and other guys hitting shots. Dante DiVincenzo is looking like Steph Curry of late. It's been, he's been huge for us. If they get through, hopefully OG is back for the next couple of games. I know Randall's going to be out at least a month. Hopefully OG comes back. I know we got the Lakers Saturday. I'm not sure who else we've got the, the rest of this week. And they can stay steady. Maybe they don't win as many games without Randall. Randall is a big part of what we do, but if they have a pretty even split, say, I don't know, what's he out for, like 15 to 20 games, if they're somewhere in like the the like 14 and 6 range of those sort of games, something like that, I think that is, is more is more than good. They're legit chasing the second seed. The books are now going into the they have the most difficult remaining schedule in the NBA. They're only a game and a half back on them. They are in a really good flow, and I, I don't see why you could rule them out. Maybe that will change when we get to the playoffs. The playoffs are so different from the regular season, but everything they're doing currently, we have if we have our two bigs in, in Mitchell Robinson and Hartenstein, we have our star in Jalen Brunson, we have our, our defensive difference maker in OG, we have our shot makers. Like All the makeup is there for a championship team. I still feel like they're just a little bit short, but I think I would I would be confident enough in them at least pushing a game, any series to six or seven games with any team probably other than the Celtics. Yeah, 100%. And I I I really think that if you if you can channel this level of defensive intensity um beyond January because that's kind of the tough part about looking at the these stretches is um, I mean, you already mentioned how many high-scoring games. It, this is January is a weird month. February is also a weird month. 
and you see a lot of anomalies in January and February. Um, but I think some of it you can pull away is real. And I think the, you know, when you have like an absolute stopper on the perimeter, like OG, like that changes the dynamic of your team. That changes what you're able to do. That changes how um, aggressively players can stay on their guys, especially on shooters. If you can stay down on the corners, how much help you really need to rotate, how much more staunch your defense can be overall when you can have that guy be on the other team's best player. And then that's not even to mention like the presence of Mitchell Robinson, if he can come back to the the defense you get in the paint there, like combining those two guys. And, you know, I, I don't, I wonder if, if McBride will also be able to get more opportunity to, to get more minutes. Cause like his defense, I love the effort that he brings in the front, but like they could be evolving their culture here defensively in a way that I would, I think will make strides in the playoffs. I, I don't think this is just a January, February thing, but um you never know how different it'll look. I mean, when they play the Celtics, they always give them a hard time, but the tough thing is, you know, stopping them. Giving them a hard yeah. time and actually beating them are two, are two, are two different yeah. things, I mean, last, se- last season, I, I, I want to say they, they went three and one. We got them soon. La- last season, I want to say that Knicks went three and one against the Celtics. This season, not been as great. When do we have the Celtics? We have the Celtics sometime soon. Maybe it's next week that we have On the Celtics. February 24th. Okay, yeah, that, like that's a game I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. watching and like seeing, seeing like obviously we won't have Randall, but hopefully we'll have everyone else and seeing how they match up with Boston. Yeah, um, and real quick, I don't think you mentioned Cleveland. Yeah, your your darling Cleveland, twelve hey, they've done great things. They had a nice bounce back. I mean, Mitchell the Clippers too. Eight and five, they did, and that that's that's you know people are starting to talk about eight. Hey, they beat the Clippers, and they haven't even gotten Mobley and Garland fully back into the fold, just getting them healthy, and. You know, the team is second in net rating in the stretch. They're now fourth in the East. We already had that conversation a month and a half, two months back, where things are kind of middling. Does the vibe continue to go south? And somehow Mitchell is still in trade conversations, not in real trade conversations, but in hypothetical ones in everyone else's mind, even though the team is having success. You know, have they shown enough? Like, can they, if they keep pulling this rate, top four, top five, top six, do, do we have a little more confidence in them to, you know, take that narrative away? Is that is that a narrative we're still going to see in the summer? Is it just because it's Cleveland? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's always because it's Cleveland and it's just a small market. You think that they like they, they, they can get bullied almost out, 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 of, out, of, uh, out of certain guys. I think it's just going to come down to the playoffs again. Like, obviously, we want to we'll wait and see. Like, obviously, the rotation and what they've done without Mobley and Garland has been unbelievable. Can they figure that out with Mobley and Garland? If they can, wow, that's that that's kind of scary to think of. And then let's see what they do in the playoffs because obviously they 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 looked great last year and then they really crapped out in the playoffs. Like it was a really disappointing performance of them. Not just because the Knicks are awesome, it was just a really disappointing performance for them. So it's kind of a wait and see on them. The, what they've done, what they've been able to do, uh, Sam Merrill, absolutely uh, un- unbelievable. The, the what he's uh what he's doing in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of wait and see. How do they how do they look once they have Garland and Mobley back? And how do they look when they get to the playoffs? That's the big thing with them. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, not I'll say now, I'm definitely not worried about that being an issue because, I mean, they, they've shown that they've been good. The on-off numbers don't indicate anything about um, them being better with just one of their bigs or one of their, their guards. 
they're still just as good with, with both of them there. And I think getting through that that negative stretch that we saw later in the season, getting through the adversity of, of having some injuries, I mean, that, that could be a big thing for them. But I think they'll stay fourth in the East. I mean, we'll, we'll get right to it now. Like, Embiid, man, uh, <laughs> where do we go with that? Well, I mean, like, where we're talking, like, let's just talk about it on the whole. We'll talk about the the idea that the, the load management it, it's the the NBA brought this in because they wanted guys to play more. They wanted the guys to not be sitting out back to backs just so they don't potentially get injured. It's not about it's not about forcing guys who are injured to play. It's about making guys play just to not uh when they're when they're avoiding games just to not uh, to not get injured. That's that's what this is about, and I still believe in it. I still like the sixty five game rule, but. We saw, arguably, we saw the negative side of it last night. Joel Embiid played against Golden State Warriors when he clearly was not ready to play. He was clearly in pain. He was clearly not able to do Joel Embiid things. We saw that throughout the game. The difference in the shots he was taking, not getting to the line at all. Like, that's not Joel Embiid. And then, ultimately, at the end of the game, Kaminga falls on his leg Looks like it's going to be a new injury that could keep him out for who knows how long. A guy his size with that sort of knee injury, that could that could be something more serious than it would be for others. Hopefully, it's just like a hyperextension, nothing too major. But we 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 see the good and the bad. I I still believe in it. But last night was a mistake by Embiid and the 76ers putting him out on the floor. Yeah, I. Hopefully, it's not bad. It looks like the. The mechanism of the injury didn't look like it wasn't like twisting, it wasn't hitting from the side, it was just right on top. Um, speaking of load management, I am like actively losing my voice. <laughs> so, excuse me if I'm like coughing here for anyone on YouTube right now, <clears throat> but it, it's really tough. And you, I'm, I'm surprised you still agree with the rule. Um, I don't know, it, it was always weird with me like to put objective um, standards on what was always going to be a very subjective award. Like, we were always going to have nuanced conversations about, like, who deserved the MVP and why. And, you know, we, we have all the data behind stats and everything like that. And and what was taken into account always in that argument was, hey, like, did you play Did you play 30 games? You play 40 games. If, if you didn't play enough and enough was never, like, a objective number, then, you know, maybe you're, you're probably not going to get discussed in that realm. And I don't know if that's necessarily – I don't think it's fair also to, like, say, like, that's why – got injured i think also and i I don't think that do you really think Embiid's like reading tweets and being like having his feelings hurt that people are saying he's soft and then decides to play no Embiid wants to play and and and, you know that if the 76ers are losing a couple games like he's gonna want to you know come back and and keep them in you know contention for a top four seat and you know that's what players do and it's just unfortunate that you know he's just going to be injury prone and if you're if you're playing the warriors and you're feeling a little sore like i just i just wouldn't ever risk doing that because somehow i I need to look this up but i feel like players disproportionately get injured by the warriors not even necessarily because they're dirty but it just always it always (laughs) is like a warriors game i feel like where where a star gets injured I'm, i'm just thinking of lebron's ankle i'm just thinking about Kawhi's hamstring or was it his quad is his quad there, there's just so many memories that come to mind with it yeah we got bad 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 look at that yeah i mean 
even if you say like, yeah, fair enough, he gives it a go, they should have pulled him. And from for the most part, they were doing better when he wasn't playing as well. Like it was very clear. I know it's Joel and B, and you want to they're they were close in the clutch. You want to get him back out there. He's gonna make you a few a few baskets and things like that. But they were actually making runs without him. They were playing better without him. He clearly wasn't himself. So just a bad decision. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. Hopefully he's not out for too long. It's nothing. It's nothing crazy. That's the hope we have to have. Will Embiid, obviously, you're you're always worried. They know that he doesn't care about winning MVP. He cares about being healthy for the postseason. That's what. It, that's the most important thing. And in terms of the load management as a whole, I know Tyrese Halliburton came out complaining about it because it it makes a big difference in money if he can make All NBA or not. I think that some that it was said on uh, TNT last night. It's a difference of like fifty million dollars to yeah, him. It's wild. Yeah, like that is insane. <clears throat> So maybe 65 games, maybe they could bring it back to 60 games. Maybe that that's fair enough. I, I don't think anyone who's played less than 60 should be considered to like be the best player in the league that year or, or be in that sort of conversation. Yeah, 65 felt that felt like Yeah, maybe, maybe I think high. yeah, I think 60 games is a bit more fair. Anything over 60 kind of looks looks sort of normal, but like people like go back and they they talk about the likes of like MJ and guys like that who are always playing the 82 games. But at the same time, the careers of players are longer these days. Players are still performing late into their thirties these days. Not, they weren't really doing that back when, uh, back in the eighties and nineties. Maybe that's because games that's physical. Maybe we just made advances in science. Guys know when they need to sit out. Guys know for certain things. Yeah. There's that element of guys sitting out for no reason and just to, protecting from injuries which is stupid you can get injured doing anything so that i i hate that side of it but i think you can't really compare it in it just straight up like that i do still like the rule but i think maybe 60 games is a bit more fair than 65 yeah um <clears throat> where where do we uh where do we go in terms of the trades here do we jump into trades well we gotta we gotta talk about me being right first ah yes we did forget about yes. that. Yes. Adrian Griffin was fired. And actually, I, I had the TikTok up uh, of me talking about how they were going to regret hiring him. And as soon as he got fired, someone commented, yep, and now he's gone. And I was like, <laughs> I love how this guy just remembered that video and, and made sure to comment to let me know that I was uh, I was correct. Sometimes sometimes we get it right. I wasn't, I, I didn't say he was going to get, I was surprised he got fired mid-season. I thought that they were, because like, they were, what, 30 and 13 when he got fired. I figured they'd get to the 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 postseason and then and then they'd struggle and then then he'd get dismissed. But he is gone. He he clearly was the wrong choice. Apparently, coming out that apparently he was the choice for <clears throat> because Embiid didn't or not Embiid because Giannis didn't want Nick Nurse. That was a big thing. Giannis was very yeah. determined to not have Nick Nurse, which is wow. just seems strange. Wow. But clearly, Griffin lost the change room. It all I think it all started when that whole bust up with Terry Stotts. That 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 felt like a really strange situation that was really swept under the rug quickly. I think that was the beginning of the end for him, even though that happened uh, like way way back, and ultimately lost the dressing room. And now now we now he's out of a job, and now we have Doc Rivers in Milwaukee. And let's let's address the the Doc Rivers thing. So I feel like everyone everyone's immediate thought is really like you brought in Doc. The guy who's broadcasting because he sucked in game sevens and has the worst winning record in game sevens, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
and I think that that was my first my first thought too. And I really had to like sit down and think, okay, is this is this recency bias? What is Doc's like body of work? Two hundred thirty five games with seventy sixers. Doc coached the seventy sixers to a top three defensive rating. And ironically, his seven year tenure with the Clippers, which was better in one hundred eight point six, um, was only good for tenth. But that just shows you just how much the offense has improved just in the last four or five years. It's insane. Um, but I, I think he's demonstrated over the years that he is fundamentally a very good coach. I mean, he's going to coach you to a good record in the regular season. You know that he's very well respected. And it's <laughs> what even get into the fact that he was an advisor for Adrian Griffin, which I didn't know until after yeah. that, which is, is, you know, obviously, you know, you, you don't, you don't want to assume that like that was like some sort of sly thing, but doc was one of the guys that they considered for the job. And he is a mentor to many coaches. So it's not that weird. It's not that nefarious, but it is pretty funny <laughs> that he's now taking his job. But I mean, I, I think there's going to be a lot of obvious things that doc will, will do better here. I mean, this is all just about the defense, honestly. Like, they're 24th in opponent uh, fast rate points. They've really lost their touch for what Budenholzer did, which was forcing bad shots, living with threes, but really protecting the paint. They've been way, they've changed their philosophy to be way overly aggressive on pick and rolls, and they're one of the worst teams at defending the pick and roll now because of it. Um, Their bench with the way that they run Bobby Portis out there is the worst defensive rating in the league because of all the blitzes that they do. There are just so many small adjustments that they can make, that Doc can make, and likely will make, because if people are talking about it, I'm <laughs> sure as hell that he's going to be make the, making those small adjustments. But they're, they are right now, like, are they the best offense in basketball? Are they, are they the second, third? I mean, they're, they're up there in terms of mm-hmm. who do you want to face in a night. And that's even an offense that still has some small kinks with their spacing, with getting the timing right on pick and rolls, with where they want um, Giannis to be if they're getting Dame set up on the uh, on the top of the key. Like there, there are little things too that they haven't even gotten better at. So they just need to get average on defense, and everything's going to be fine. And all that to say, like, I think Doc is going to come in. He's going to stop the bleeding. He's going to patch everything up. He's gonna make things better, and the Bucks are gonna be able to walk out of the hospital alive. But I don't know if he's if this is a grass is greener thing. When they got rid of Bud. They're like, all right, things are gonna get better now. We're gonna get a new innovative system in. I can't help but think back and think like, did you really do better now that you're with Doc Rivers? In terms of the issue was flexibility in late game situations in the playoffs and that was ultimately the demise of coach bud and here we are now with doc who great coach but that is literally the reason he is broadcasting right now is for his inability to be flexible in late game playoff situations um so yeah they've kind of gone full circle they've got they've gone full circle and come back to to kind of a similar spot to to where they were at my 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 instincts when that when I saw the hiring was like kind of it makes sense, like who who else who else who else is out there who who else are you gonna get mid season? This is a guy who has. <laughs> Please come back. <laughs> Adrian Griffin won't bother you anymore. I promise. 
it's like he's gonna go, he's gonna come in. He's gonna demand respect. He's won a title before, obviously a very long time ago. Different situation now, but also a defensive mind. That that's what the the big thing is: respect from the players and a guy that is capable of coming in. And what you expect is to get the most out of what he has available to him in terms of in terms of defense, which is uh which is the big thing for for the books and. Maybe maybe he'll be able to make adjustments with the the guys that he that he has now within this team to to make better decisions when we get to the playoffs or maybe it's just that Eric Spolstra is too good maybe like who knows but we'll uh, we'll see what happens I mean he was the, he's a big reason why uh, why the books moved on from uh, from Budenholzer the the inability to get past him <clears throat> now I'm following your pace with the coughing and um, but yeah. Who else? Who else are they going to get? Doc can have a, a a good impact here. He could hopefully turn them into a, a subpar middle of the pack defense. And if he gets them to that level, that really does change things. Yeah, and you know what's going to be the biggest difference between what Doc did before is it's not Ben Simmons, it's not James Harden, it's Damian Lillard and Giannis. And I think the DNA there and player makeup and how they approach clutch situations and how they approach the game and how you see them face pressure is very different Mm -hmm. and it comes down to what's happening on the court ultimately and those two players maybe there will still be some issues with the spacing maybe they won't really get to that full 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 potential without you know someone who's as innovative as maybe a nick nurse type of coach but i i think that the outcome would be a little bit different and doc did not have the luxury of of having guys who honestly were were clutch and Spolstra looks great when jimmy butler is playing like michael jordan in the playoffs and is willing the offense to buckets down the stretch like Spolstra looks like a pretty clutch coach i mean obviously there, there's a myriad of things that he's actually doing that 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 caused the heat to win but you know things like that on the offensive end you know doc it's not Doc's fault that Ben Simmons couldn't make a layup. It's not Doc's fault mm-hmm. that Harden just oscillated between being literally the worst player in a series and the best player and not knowing like wh- what kind of player he's going to get night to night. But that's not going to happen in Milwaukee. They're going to be fine, and you're absolutely right. There's that This guy is going to be the most stable. They said, stop the bleeding. You you, you paged a, a trauma doctor. He came in. He patched up the bleeding, and you're going to be fine. He's not a plastic surgeon. He's not going to make this pretty, but you know, I think the Bucks are going to survive, and they'll have their chance to make it to the to the final. Yeah, yeah, sure, to- to- totally agree on that. Quick hitters, trade rumors. Don't have a ton right now, actually, that are real. I mean, you talked about the Dejounte one. That apparently it's official offer. Um, Dejounte for. <laughs> I love the wording of it too. Lakers are willing. They're willing to trade. D'Angelo Russell and um, Shafino Hood, who I've literally never seen a minute play, um, and future draft compensation. So not like two bona fide first one. Like I guess we'll give you D'Lo, a guy who doesn't play, and future pick. Sure. Are they? Is that even close to enough for Murray? I mean, it shouldn't be given what they what they put up for him. Uh, it doesn't always work like that, but even yeah. right now, even right now, I mean, he's improved as a shooter too. I mean, he he's taking home strides as an offensive player. 
Yeah, you'd like to think they'd get a player that they they actually want in return. They that that actually would fit into their roster at least. Uh, I mean yeah, really? the the Hawks fans uh, the Hawks fans made it very clear last night that they don't want D'Angelo Russell in their on, on their <laughs> yeah. team. That was that was brutal. Those chances was uh, obviously pretty funny, but uh, oh man, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that that trade just doesn't seem like it's it's realistic unless they're gonna give the two the two first round picks. That's that's yeah. the only way I see that that trade going down. Yeah. Um... I don't think it's happening. Rockets shopping draft picks for Michaela Bridges. Give the Nets back their future. If that if that happens, I am very, 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 very intrigued with the Rockets. Mm-hmm. I'm already I'm already enamored by how much better they've gotten. I mean, Shengun, dude's like really. I mean, all the casuals out there now, Shengun fans, like he's he's made everyone aware of his presence. You heard it here first, baby. This podcast, this podcast, you heard it here first. And I mean, if they get in bridges now, like the the makeup of that team, that that becomes something different. I I think they they vault themselves over a couple teams down the bottom of the West. How, how good? Let, let's let's play that game. How how good do they get? They're better than the Pelicans. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like you you look at that like. It, what we say? Would would they include Jaden Green in that deal? No way. No. So what are you looking at then? Are we looking at Jaden Green going to the bench, and we got Fred VanVleet, Mikael Bridges, Brooks, Jabari, Shengun? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think so. I mean, it's. Yeah, I mean that that is that is a tough pill to swallow, but I I don't think they're they're giving away a guy that you know still you have a chance that he gets consistent. He becomes your. I mean, worst case scenario, like he becomes Zach Levine. That's a pretty good worst case scenario <laughs> for the guy you, you draft in the lottery. But all right, let's let's play that game. So they, they get Mikael Bridges in that lineup. Are they better than the Jazz? Yeah. Yes. Are they better than the Lakers? Yeah. Regular season, yeah. Yeah. They better yeah, I know. Better than the Pels. Yes. Yes. Just. Just yes. I say yes. Better than the Mavs? Yeah. Yes. I I I say so. Suns, that's where I'm capping it. No, no, no. They're not they're not they're not they're not there yet. They're they're they they they're not they're not they're not they're not they're not they're not there. They're not at the Suns level now, no, I don't think. Kings. The Kings and Pelicans are both two different ones because they've shown themselves to be one of the best teams in certain games and then one of the worst teams in other games, just like the Rockets as well. They're just really, really Really high and also really low teams. They're they're weird. They're weird, weird teams. <laughs> that, that's yeah. That that's what happens when you have inconsistent defense. Yeah. Um, I mean that. I think that would fundamentally really shape what their identity is moving forward. I mean they they have really around Udoka. They've really the way that they've established themselves defensively this season has been amazing. But to get Bridges in that mix too. Um, that's interesting. And even the Nets, I mean, they, they get their, I don't know how many picks they get back. Maybe they get all their picks back. Um, but, I mean, the Rockets are not a team that are trying to, you know, get more draft capital. They don't want to draft. No, they they, they, they got, they've got their young guys. They're, they're, they're looking to find the other pieces to, to build towards the future now. It's not about draft anymore for them. Yeah. All right. You are the Detroit Pistons GM sitting in your office. Oh, my God. <laughs> I myself yet. <laughs> you're, you're, you're on your fourth drink of the game. <laughs> All 
barely awake. Uh, you get a call from Chicago. I'm just seeing this right now that it's, uh, that Shams is reporting that that the Houston Rockets are star hunting. That's what they're out there doing. Uh, okay. That's that's from that's from Shams. He put put that out article in the, in the Athletic. So that's interesting as as there we speak go. of that. It's 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 happening. It's happening. But um, so you're 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 sitting there. You get a call from Chicago, and I want to offer you Levine, but it's gonna take Bojan and one of your core four. Now I I floated that a few weeks ago, and apparently that's a real thing right now. Do you immediately throw the phone down? End the call? Depending on who I'd have to give. Not Cade, for sure. Not Cade, not Duran. Not Duran, not Asar. No, I think of it. I think Jay Nivey, Jay Nivey and Bojanovich. I don't think that's insane. I mean, I, I, I would understand it. I'd probably be the, I always want to be the believer in that those guys are going to come good, that, that sort of way. So I probably would slam down the phone. But obviously, I'm not a GM. I'm not, they can't speak with the passion. And maybe if the answer, if you say, okay, Jordan Irby, Bogdanovich, you give us Zach Levine. Okay. Year two. Jaden Ivey, the guy who's supposed to figure things out next to Cade, and Cade, who's still not some prolific perimeter shooter. Jaden Ivey, shooting 34% from three. And he's averaging three and a half turnovers to five assists. A guy that, you know, interesting idea next to Cade, but really curious, you know, this is not, Monty has been inconsistent with him throughout the season. Um, Curious to me. I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they'll do it. Because me, like, the reason I don't think they'll do it is because as soon as I read that report, I, like, jumped out of my – I was like, please. That's the best That's the best possible deal I think you can get for Levine. I mean, obviously, Levine's a far, far better player than Ivy. But the chance at a blue-chip player for, you know, a guy who – on a team that's ultimately finished, you know, that's, that's an unheard-of deal and probably too good to be true. But the Pistons, a team that, you know, they're, they just, they need something. They need something to galvanize this team. They, they need something. someone who can lead on the <laughs> offensive end. Literally anything. They need anything. Um, but, yeah, that is that is another crazy trade. Do you have any other crazy offers that I've missed? No, I hadn't seen anything, <laughs> anything too legit that we haven't really spoken about already. But, obviously, we're heading into the final week of, of the trade window. So, things will obviously start to heat up uh, from probably – the next couple of days, uh, so it's tomorrow. Tomorrow week, Thursday. Thursday week is when this, uh, when the trade deadline is. So things are going to start to heat up now as as we go as we move towards that, and it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. Like uh, you almost expect to see a trade every day at this stage. Yeah, we're we're this is two twelve right now, Wednesday, January thirty first. I would not be shocked if at three p.m. today we get like our bridges trade for the Rockets because that's always what ends up happening when we record. But I think this is a good time. We we wanted to talk about uh take a look back, look at all the trades that's been happening over the past couple of decades, and we won't have a chance to evaluate how good this season will be because we've already had a couple of good ones. I mean, Ananobi to the Knicks. What if the Knicks do something yeah. crazy at the end of the season? That would be looked back as one of the best in season trades. Siakam and the Pacers too. I mean, two really high high quality, high high quality. One an All NBA player, another one one of the best defensive players in the league, if not the best perimeter going at the deadline that's not not super common as, as much as we think it is but 
Take it away, Ronan. What, what, what are we doing this? Uh... We're gonna put them in. We're gonna go for a tier list. So I got. I, I made up a list of of, uh, of ten trades, ten of the biggest <clears> trades <throat> of all time. We've got five from summer trades slash draft trades and five mid-season trades. So a little mix between the two, and we're gonna put them into a tier list. So I think I'll I'll put it out to you. I'll I'll, I'll do it by when they happen. So two of them are from back in the in the eighties and nineties, then the rest are since two thousand. So we're not going too far back into oh, the UN deep into okay. the history. Just ones that were were just that just turned out to be to be pretty big. Just to, to start out, I think I already know what the answer what tier this is going into, but the Chicago Bulls trade in nineteen eighty seven to move up in the draft and get Scottie Pippen. They traded the eighth pick, which was Olden Polynice. Who the hell is he? Future draft compensation to the Supersonics. And they get Scottie Pippen, who wins six titles, seven-time All-Star, seven-time All-NBA, eight-time All-Defensive, and the man who made it happen with MJ. We're dra- oh, okay, we're, we're doing draft night trades too. Um, I mean, that has to be... I'm I'm thinking in my head. I mean, obviously you have the Luca, the Luca draft night trade. You have um trying to think Kobe. To think of other ones. Kobe. So I mean that that's gotta be one of the best. That's A tier draft night trade. If I'm just thinking draft night trade, like yeah. S tier. We got S tier. We'll go S tier with that. S-tier. We got they gotta right. we gotta have an S T S tier here, I think. There's no doubt that that has to be up at up at S tier like Pippen what like the type of player he was like the greatest number two of all time would have been arguably could have been one of the greatest number ones of all time had it had he not landed in in Chicago but wouldn't have had the success in terms of titles if he if he had done that yeah my man is dusting off the 80s I I I thought I did real well going over the last two decades and I just looked at in-season trades but we're pulling out yeah, we got we're we're going way back here now. <laughs> Number two, now this is the last one from uh, from from pre two thousands. This is a mid season trade, nineteen ninety five. Clyde the the Glide Drexler to the Houston Rockets for a couple of nobodies and a first rounder. He got the team back on track, who were flailing after winning the title in ninety four. Was named to the All NBA team. Average 21.5 points, 9.5 boards, six and a half, uh, 6.8 assists in the NBA Finals, and they won back-to-back titles. Yeah, yeah that's that's S tier, for sure. Like that, that, that's when crazy, I was looking at what he did. In-season, in-season trades, it's like, all right, what immediately happens? How much better does the team get? Does that bring them to another level? Do they win a championship? So, yeah, I'm with it. Yeah, like it's got it's got to be S tier. Maybe you'd have like what what Pippen did at a higher level, but in terms of a mid season trade to have that sort of impact and make that sort of difference for a team, like we haven't really seen that uh, too many more times. Bringing it up then to two thousand and one, not quite as big of an impact, but the Kemby Matumbo traded to the seventy sixers for Tony Kukoc and three other randomers. Defensive Player of the Year that year, helped the team reach the NBA Finals. Average 14, 14, and three blocks in the uh, in the playoffs. All NBA second team. Obviously, they didn't win the title, but in terms of a midseason trade, the 76ers obviously were the number one seed at the time. But he felt like a real difference maker for them. 
going to the finals, and that's not something that uh, Philly have been too good at over the last twenty years. Yeah, that that put the, I'll put that in the A for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think I think A is fair because obviously they didn't win, and it was kind of it. Obviously, he stayed there for a few years, but that that was kind of the the impact of him in that mid season time. What what was really big for them? Yeah, for in season, that's the hardest part. And I'll and I'll interject about in season stuff. If you go back, because I I could talk all day about you know the different trades we've had just since twenty, since really twenty thirteen fourteen, um, but more so in the past five years. If you look between two thousand three to two thousand thirteen. The only all-stars that were traded in season was basically like old Chris Weber and like a few other guys like out of their prime, like Allen Iverson, other guy, like when they're out of their prime, like real big move, big splashy in, in season moves didn't really happen for that, no. for that decade. Like the player, like objectively the player movement in the past five, six, seven years has been, has just been insane. And another part of that, um, so you can think about Shaq and Nash got traded in 2004 or did I just steal one of yours? No. Okay, good. But not in season trades, not a single team that won a championship during that 10 year period made significant in season trades for any stars. Yeah. I mean, for, for the most part, the, mm-hmm. the, the best teams don't really make big moves in season. They figured it out during their, their off seasons that, that for the most part is, is how it works. Like there's not, there's not too many examples you can think of a team that that made a big splash in season and then went on to win the title. That doesn't really happen too often. Yeah. Can I nominate one? Go. 2020. 2021. Drew Holiday to the Bucks. Oh, yeah. Championship. That was a mid-season trade. It was. It was wow. November. I did, I, I was I was did not think that. Yeah. That's so. Easily forgotten about in-season trade. There's only two. There's only two, and that's really the only major one. Yeah, I think. Ooh, do we do we got to put that the S tier? I mean, that, we, I mean, they they won. We put Clyde. They went and won. They went and won the yeah. title. He was a big part of that. He really boosted up their defense. And look what we've seen <clears> since he's left. So yeah, I, th- I think I think we maybe I think we have to put down the S tier. Drew gets in the S tier. He does. Drew. Okay. There you go. That was that. that yeah, he he deserves that. They won that title, and you saw the difference now that he's gone there, and uh, he's hoping hoping to be the impact guy the, to add a title there uh, to Boston as well now this year. Okay, mid season two thousand and four, Rasheed Wallace to the Detroit Pistons for again a couple of nobodies I've never heard of and a first round pick. They won and won the most unlikely NBA championship ever, as it's often described. They beat the Kobe Shaq Lakers. He put up twenty six and thirteen in a game four win in the in the NBA Finals. Final piece, apparently. That's what that's often how he's described. The final piece for that Detroit team to go on and win the title. Where where would you put him? I mean, if if anyone pulls, that was that was in season. That was in season. That I mean, that's a that's S tier. I mean, that, the, the, that's one of that's one of just. I think we're talking. I have one more, and I don't even think it counts as much because I mean, Wallace made a real massive impact on that. Yeah, and like the title, like man, like that 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 lovely Pistons team, that them beating the Lakers, like that was just that was just insane, and a lot of people, and probably just justified that it's it's regarded as like the most unlikely title win of all time. 
So yeah, absolutely S tier. Um, got a lot. We got a lot going on in the S tier here. We're, we're, well, I think we're I think it, it has to be it has to be champ. Like if you make a real impact on a championship, it's it's the relativity of the, what I mentioned is. I mean, besides him, no one else in that decade who won a championship made a big trade like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we've got four or five so far in the S tier. We got we got uh, Matumbo <laughs> in the A tier, which is fair. Have you got yeah. one more to nominate there before I get to the rest of mine, or will I keep going? Marcus Gasol, 2018-19. They already got Kawhi Ooh, Leonard. Yeah. They already that... got Kawhi Leonard, but they they solidified their front court with Marcus Gasol. And they won the championship to replace yeah. to replace uh, Pirtle, who they lost in the in the Kawhi trade. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, I'd say A. I don't think S. I think A A yeah. A is right for for that Marcus All trade. But obviously, a really a really smart move from them, and he did have a huge impact in Toronto. Yeah, that's that upgrade over over Jonas wasn't really and still is not really your uh, interior defender. But they had to go up against the likes of Embiid, to go up against the likes of. Uh, of uh, what the Warriors would bring in, and they need a guy like him. I, I, yeah, I'll give that the A. He, yeah. He's not the S that Kawhi would have been, but he was. Yeah. He was in the middle of the. Uh... Yeah, for sure. And then uh, summer trade, Kevin Garnett to the Boston Celtics for Al Jefferson, three or four other nobodies, two first round picks, comes in All NBA first team, Defensive Player of the Year, NBA champion. And he was ultimately part of the package that brought them Tatum and Brown as well. Something really? else to think of. Yeah. The, the two, two picks from the Nets. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, or were those... I thought those were Boston's own picks. Or were those the Nets picks? Were those the Nets picks? As far as I'm aware, they were the Nets picks, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Interesting. Do we do we say Kawhi? If we're nominating him, we're nominating Kawhi. I got Kawhi and later. Don't and it's worry. hard not to say that's an S because the Celtics obviously don't win a championship without Garnett. Um, this is this is hard to do. Tears when you're comparing all that. I mean, he, they don't win a championship unless they trade for him. Obviously. Um. So you want to say A or do you want to put him in the S? No, like I'm I'm just saying A because we have so many in S and that's that, that's not how this works. I mean that that is Yeah. Well we we got we got to throw we got to throw him up into into S, yeah. Yeah. That was an all-time big time big time trade. Mid-season, Pau Gasol to the Lakers for Kwame Brown, two nobodies, Mark Gasol and two first-round picks. All NBA all-star, two-time champion. The impact on Kobe's legacy, which is yeah. huge, helping them to those two titles. They went to three straight NBA finals. Obviously, didn't win it the first year, but then one of the two years after that. I mean, I'm tempted to say yes year. Maybe we put him in the in the in the A just because it, it, it wasn't Kobe. It wasn't like an immediate. It wasn't an immediate yeah. like they won a championship right after. Yeah, but I'd it's... say that's A. I mean, that what they they got him for nothing, yeah. and he's he is. You know, you know, he's not the same player as Shaq, obviously, but in terms of what they've talked about, when we talk about Kobe's legacy, you talk about Kobe and Shaq, we also talk about, got to talk about Kobe and Powell. Yeah, um, and obviously the, it was kind of a win-win trade. Like, look at the impact that Marcus Hall ended up having in Grizzlies. Obviously not the same to the same level, but he's one of the all-time great Grizzlies, maybe maybe the best ever until uh, till we see what John the likes to uh, do. Yeah. Uh, I got a similar one, more modern one. Um. Nuggets 
2020-2021 season where they're when the magic are selling off everyone they get aaron gordon and unfortunately due to injuries that championship didn't come right away but aaron gordon undeniably a part of how the nuggets are able to win this recent championship and still be a contender where do we put that Am I being mean here if I say B? No, I I, th- I think B is fair, but I, I think it's a it's a similar like he he was an in season in season trade, and the flash that we got before the injuries happened in Denver was like wow he like really unlocked them, and then when we got to see them all healthy, it was so clear like how integral he is and so, such an un unheralded player uh, in this league. But the Nuggets they're not a championship team without him, and they don't get him on that roster unless the magic are selling off in the middle of the season. And now he's an integral part of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so we'll say we'll go, we'll go beat here just because it he's wasn't. Not that, 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 I'll go. Yeah. B. Yeah. We got to yeah, fill we'll, up the B a little bit. Yeah. We got, we got to give, we got to give B there. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Obviously you mentioned this earlier, the, the Luca for Trey Young swap, uh, ultimately cost him a first round pick. Mavs got Luca four time, all NBA first team, five time all-star. Been to the playoffs three times out of the season, averaging 32 points per game. Career averages of 27.6, 8.6, and 8 assists. And he's still only 24. I think that's going to prove to be a genius move. For now, I think it's B tier. But I think when we look back in 10 years, it'll be S. Yeah, I think that was... I'm going to give it B just because like, the rest of the league was stupid. Mm-hmm. Like the Kings were dumb, the Suns were dumb, the Hawks were dumb. Like they did not see the potential in Luca that they should have, and the Mavs took advantage of that, which they did. I'll give it a B, but that mm-hmm. that still will always go down as like massive, massive regret on the Hawks' end as we're nearing a time where we don't even know where Trey is going to go. And Luca putting up seventy three on them was also just helped it made it sure, made yeah, that a little bit that little bit more fun. Well, here's a an obvious S <clears throat> tier one. Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors for Demar Derozan, Jakob Pertl, and a first rounder. I mean, he was only there for one year, but he won them a title. He was the Finals MVP. He was All NBA. Probably hit one of the most famous shots in NBA history: the first ever Game Seven buzzer beater. I mean, S tier. What, what like only for a year, but it got them everything they were never going to get without him. Greatest rental of all time, yeah. Um, we, you know, it's funny. So like we, I won't bring these ones up as nominations, but we we have some other ones that never came to fruition, right? And we're this is such revisionist history. Um, looking at these guys and being like, oh, this is the greatest thing about because Kawhi could have just not won a championship and then just left, and that would have been awful, obviously. Mm-hmm. 76ers that same season they went all in Jimmy Butler Tobias Harris where'd that go then you look back to obviously we saw KD Harden Irving all of them over in the in Brooklyn that Harden to Brooklyn trade nothing happened there so it's the the rate of these in-season trades being successful or even happening at all just super low um, I don't have a great one but I do have one I want to nominate. Maybe it will be a B, or maybe more likely a TBD. But Pacers acquiring Halliburton and Heald for Sabonis. Ooh. 2021. 
That's yeah, that's, a that's... TBD, but that could TBD, be... yeah. I mean, like, will we slip that down? Will we be harsh just for now and say like C or B? I think wait and, we'll... wait and see. Wait and see. We'll put it in C and we'll go wait and we'll say wait and see. <laughs> That's but that, that 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 I forgot about that that mid season yeah that that that's a that's a good move and I think that like that's one that could ultimately have completely turned around this this uh this Pacers franchise which is uh, obviously absolutely huge. I got two more, one mid season, one that could prove one of the ultimate win win trades for for both teams. So the win win one first, SGA and Paul George swap places. Uh, Thunder also get Danilo Gallinari yeah. and five first round picks and two swaps. Clippers got an all star, a potential title winner. The Thunder get a future MVP, a centerpiece of what they hope is going to be a future title team. I mean, if the Clippers end up winning a title with with PG and the Thunder do the same with SGA, it becomes S tier and the it ultimate win win trade. But for now, what do you think? A, B. Oh, I mean, I. If you, if you, but have to say get... we have to say B right now, do we? Given yeah. how injured Paul George has been and how well, Shea technically hasn't get, done anything do you, yet, you don't. If you don't get Paul George, you don't get Kawhi. Yeah. You you don't you don't you don't get Kawhi in the room. You don't say, "Hey, Kawhi, I think I think this guy, uh, Shea Gilders Alexander." Is going to be great in a few years. Like he's like no, he wouldn't be there. He wouldn't be there. So had to happen. Can't do revisionists. Got to be an A in terms of an A in terms at the time. At the time, that that's an A. But looking yeah. back on it now, it's it's a B. Yeah, you got to go B because yeah, it just falls know. into B because like for for the most part, nothing has really happened yet, uh, and like PG has has been injured a lot. Unfortunately, yeah. in a yeah, maybe C. I think that's a C. I don't know. Let's go C for know. now. Let's I'd let's do C. it. Yeah, let's go you know C and wait you know and why? see. Because right now, yeah, I'm real happy that we're talking about this last like 20, 30 game stretch of the Clippers, like and looking great and all that. But what did it take for them to get here? It wasn't like they got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, two of the best wing players in the past two decades, and all of a sudden they're like winning championships or like being super competitive. No, like they've been injured. They haven't been. They haven't been on the floor together, and it didn't work out. And SGA is, has led a OKC team out of nothing, and young players to now being an MVP. Like that's that's uh so far they've I'd say they've lost that trade in terms of an organization. Yeah, yeah, totally okay, that, that's fair. And then the final one, just is thrown in just because it was like the biggest superstar midseason trade of all time. Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns for Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder. Four first round picks and a pick swap. Where where are we ranking that? I mean that has that has to be man. That is that is tough. I, I gotta say that's that's a B. It's a B. Like in terms of like being able to get him, they 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 were not really on the radar at first like we, they were they were kind of that dark horse team at first and the fact they were able to snag him kevin durant one of the best scorers of all time, the best scorer in my opinion of all time and then put him next to booker just that feat alone we haven't seen like and i, I still think we'll have a chance at a title with him but 
that that's we'll put that in B because they haven't won anything yet, and they didn't automatically, you know, put it together last season. They got destroyed by Luca, but we'll put that in B for now. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that, that that closed it out for me. Obviously, yeah, we had we had some S, a lot of S's early, and then we kind of moved down to being a bit more realistic. Yeah, I think that was there was a nice little blend amongst them. But it's interesting to kind of look back on these moves, and there was a couple there that I forgot about that you brought up, which are obviously huge moves. Yeah, do you have C or F tiers? You want some F tiers or C tiers? I mean, we got one. We got the wait and see. We got the we got two and C, don't we? We have SGA and we got uh, <laughs> and we got the Halliburton trade. You got a uh, you got something you want to show uh, for an F tier? Yeah, just to make me sad. Uh, that same year where the Magic were selling, Bulls trade two first-round picks and Wendell Carter Jr. to the Magic for Nikola Vucevic in a desperate attempt to make a strong playoff push and don't make the playoffs. They tried hard, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. That looking back on that now, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty pretty rough. That's uh, Franz, that's probably... Franz Wagner and what is now. Jet Howard, but could have been better. Who knows? But yeah, you think it was F or D? F F D. D. Yeah, we don't. We can't. Like, we don't have to go as low as F. We we can give. We can give it. We can yeah. give it the D marker there. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, great. We, we need. We need to put. We need to put something in the D. And uh, yeah. we just had to have. We had to have something that goes down, down that low. But I'll see. Hopefully, there'll be a few more to add now as we uh, as we look over the next over the next week. Uh, I won't ruin your week this week. I, w- I won't. I won't quiz you. I, ha- I have one prep, but I- I- I'll leave you be this week. We've 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 got you a lot of information today. I know you're just trying to relax a bit, so I don't want to. I don't want to stress you out too badly. I got but, no voice left. I'll just I'll log right off. <laughs> I think that's gonna do it for today's episode. Trade deadline just over a week away. Teams struggling at the moment that we expected to be competing. The likes of the Heat. The likes of the Lakers, the likes of the Warriors. We got teams on great highs like the Clippers, like the Knicks. All Star break is almost upon us. We'll find out who the reserves are going to be tomorrow. We've got that matchup between uh, Steph Curry and Sabrina. That should be a lot of fun. They're trying to do new things with the All Star game. Hopefully, it, things work out in that in that uh, fashion. But keep your eye on Twitter. Keep your eye on Wolves. Keep your eye on Champs because some tw- some trades are going to be going down over the next week but we'll have you covered for all that when they do but for now thank you Chris for joining me thank you all so much for listening remember you like what you're hearing we are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA and most importantly remember take every shot and love every moment <laughs>